We love lashes and have a passion to see our industry grow and thrive. In our podcast, we will discuss ideas, explore trends, share secrets, debunk myths, and encourage one another. I'm your host, Paul Lubers, and I'm the general manager at Integrity Lash in Pasadena, California. Welcome to LashCast. I'm so grateful to be here. It is really a blessing. As always, I am surrounded by the lashing threesome of Christina, Erica, and Tustany. Hello. Hey there. Welcome Hi. to episode 11. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. So great. Dandy. It's hazy and rainy out. I know. So. This is like Erica and I's favorite kind of days when yeah. LA is foggy and rainy. And this is the opposite. Like, Christina the and Erica. Sunshine. This is not their kind of day. So I think I, it's just so magical. Yeah. I'm jazzed on days like this. I like when it's <laughs> bright and sunny and hot boring. Right from the get-go. Uh, it's, boring. it's like every day in L.A. It's so. not boring to people who aren't from L.A. That's I know. True. And you know, it's like most people listening don't live in L.A. And they're like, shut up. Oh, no, <laughs> gosh. And right now, even it's Maine, it's still only 40 degrees outside or something. But <laughs> yeah, no, this is for us a day. I'm extra jazzed to be here today. So... Before we get to our topic today, I just thought I'd pass out on the floor and see if anyone here had a topic they wanted to bring up before we get into our big subject matter for the day. Yeah, so I saw something on a Facebook lash group that mm-hmm. they were calling eyebrow ironing. What's that? That sounds painful. Do tell. I don't think it's painful. Oh, okay. It's also known as eyebrow straightening, which to me sounds a little bit more professional and less like scary than eyebrow ironing. Because I just imagine a <laughs> hot iron on I your know, face exactly. and the, that's why it's painful. It's like, okay, I just yeah. tattooed my face. It paints a funny picture, but it's a treatment. So mm-hmm. it's like a relaxing treatment for your eyebrows and it allows the technician, whoever's doing it, to semi-permanently shape the client's eyebrows. Hmm. So it's ideal for giving definition to rebellious or like curly uh-huh. eyebrows and it can be also used for eyebrows that lack hair in some specific areas. So if there's like any gaps in the eyebrow. Oh, it adds hair? Hairline. Yeah. Well, it doesn't add air. It's like but, a straight perm for your eyebrows. Yeah. Oh, okay, so, so if you're like straightening, that can like cover up any gaps. I think. Oh, I oh. get it. Okay. So it's not actually adding hair, but it's no. like blending it's the hair, straightening. The so it's like a comb over. <laughs> a brow <laughs> comb over, A right? brow comb over. That's something I could use. My eyebrows are disappearing on the end, so I could use a brow comb over. All you have to do is just a little bit of powder and no know. one will know. Yeah, or get some microblading done. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Get some microblading done. Yeah. So what they do is they carefully comb the brow hairs and then it allows them to give it the appropriate shape. Once the solution is on it, then yeah. they comb it in the direction they want it. Is that yeah. it? Yeah. So I think if you like on Instagram, look up the hashtag eyebrow ironing or eyebrow straightening, it'll show you examples. It actually looks kind of cool. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think it's interesting. That What's our price cool. do they charge? Yeah. So I think it's usually about 40 to 65. Okay. I wonder how long it lasts. It lasts up to three months. That's oh. great. So it's even better than a lash lift. Yeah, because I don't think lash lifts. No, they're about two, one to two, six weeks, I think, is okay. kind of the average I see out there. Yeah, but they're saying to charge anywhere from 40 to 65 per client. And is it about half hour service in? How long would that? I don't know. I'm sure it doesn't a lash lift because it's a yeah. perm. Yeah, yeah, it's a perm. So you just have to process, sit and process. Like, so maybe. You know what? An alkaline substance that's breaking the disulfide bonds in the hair so that it kind of. We need yeah. to give you a scientist <laughs> name. <laughs> Like scientists. We need she tusses. could be like Dr. Beaker. Because <laughs> Beaker, Beaker. Me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's Muppets, in case you've never watched the Muppets. Uh, that's awesome. I think we should, yeah, we just have to have like a tech corner and then maybe a little lexicon so people can look that up and see what these words mean. That'd be helpful. We should give the definitions in our podcast yeah. show notes. Yeah, the show notes. Yeah, here, here we go. I think it was one time where we were at a conference and Christina and Tustin were there and Christina is like watching Tustin download on someone and their eyes, eyes just glossed over. up, blazed over and they're just like, <laughs> Christina's like, Tustin, they're not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're really excited about these things? I was really, really into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, all right, cool. Well, that's great. So if you, actually, if you know about this or you want to send us maybe photos of your work doing that, why not? You know, DM us. Eric and I tend to monitor our page the most, so she's the one that will always respond when it comes to anything lash technical stuff. I will do more business stuff and combine. I think we covered the whole mm-hmm. gamut. But anyhow, but if you can, that'd be great because it'd be cool to hear from you guys. Uh, maybe you can enlighten us. Maybe we just brought it up, but we haven't. We don't do this service. It'd be great to hear from you and what you love about it and so forth, and we can interact and learn from you. So that would be great. Mm-hmm. All right, something too though, didn't you? Or are we? Oh, oh no, yeah. I was just on our way over here. We were looking at Instagram when I saw that little ad for that new brow pin that has like a multi-pronged stamp, so to speak, that can make like a microblading kind of look. So with each little swipe, it gives like four little stroke looks and Mm -hmm. I showed it to you guys and you're like, oh, I already saw that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, I'm old hat here. It's like eight years ago. But it seems like it's a great idea, you know. It's hair strokes. It looks like if it works, it'd be great. And with the show coming up, with the IBS slash IECSC show coming, that might be a great place if you go. You'll probably find that in Vegas. You'll be able to find probably samples of that because that's something that's great about that show is like everything that happens in our industry is there. So if there's some trend, actually not the future trends, that's going to be the Cosmoprof show. That's usually a one year ahead as far as trends go. But because that's more the manufacturer distributor it's level, a business to but business yeah, show. it's the B 2 B. This is the B 2 C. And what's great about if you haven't gone, you really need to make a trek, make it your mecca, your pilgrimage. You do once a year. Go to Vegas. I mean, there's local shows in Florida, New- Chicago, um, New York, but those shows are smaller. I mean, this is the granddaddy. This is the biggest one where it's like the largest amount of vendors, and you will get to see lots of cool stuff. And, and it's we'll- the best because it's kind of like a circus. It is a circus. Yeah. It's it's really fun. I'm one of the things we've always wanted to do, and I don't know if we mentioned this, we've always wanted to do this, and maybe this year we will, maybe. where we do a a, a, a hunt, a treasure hunt, or scavenger, scavenger hunt. hunt, where you we create a list of things to look for, and you check off if you find them, and whoever gets the most items wins some prize. But we've always wanted to do that with our team because. You're going to find someone walking around naked with paint on. You're going to find someone with the crazy nails are like eight feet long, it seems like, that, you know, all tangled in all directions. Oh, yeah, they have nail shows. Yeah. And one year we saw people in, uh, it was a buffet area, and they were all from a nail show. Because you yeah. can see their nails were like a couple feet long, and it was just <laughs> like they're all hanging out at one table together. Like, look at that. When, when do you get to see that kind of stuff, yeah. you know? So it, it's fun. It's a lot of crazy people watching is really what it's fun for. Mm-hmm. So if you get a chance to go this year, definitely go. This is probably our last episode just before the show. This will be airing about two weeks out before. So you still have time to go buy tickets mm-hmm. and get in there and buy fly in. And uh, there's lots of 
uh, cool Come stuff. Come see us. Yeah. We'll be there. We oh, have that's, a right. Booth. that's right. What the shock? We're going to be there. Oh, thank you, Christina. We have a booth. We're teaching. Yes. We'll in be fact, there all weekend. The um, Lashcast podcast up in the house. <laughs> in fact, I was going to say, I think if I can find it, I wrote it down, but I can't remember where I put it, is we have a, our booth number now, finally, I figured out. And I don't have it. So well, maybe I, if we can get it together, we could do the scavenger hunt. We could come by, and, and we like can pass, it, pass out. it out. And you know, if just yeah, you know, that's an idea. That's yeah. An idea. All right, I'll put that in our not show notes, but we'll put that in our company notes. I guess <laughs> maybe we'll be doing it at there. All right. Well, let's get into our topic today. We've been definitely sitting around, thinking of different ideas and questions. And one of the things that I want to put out there before we get into it is if you are listening to this right now, and there's stuff that you're dying to know about, more than just a personal question for yourself, like, well, I just need to know how to deal with this situation, which we love those type of questions. In fact, we want to have episodes every once in a while where we deal with your specific, unique situations, because always, it's never just about you. There's always other people dealing with their struggles. But if there's just topics, like big picture stuff, that you would love to talk about that we have not covered yet. This is episode 11, and we're getting further into it. And I was working on this during the week, trying to think of more topics. And I have a sheet about four pages long now of just different ideas, random thoughts. But that's just what I'm thinking about. And as the only dude here, maybe I'm missing the boat sometimes, missing the mark. And I think it'd be really great to hear from our listeners. You guys are the ones who really make this work. Without you, we have nothing, no purpose of being here. And it would be wonderful to hear from you and what you really want to be have covered. So you can DM us. Um, you can also message us or email me. My email is in the show notes. So you can get to us and let us know what you would love to see. So just a little thoughts there about how you can help make this work a little bit maybe better for you and some things that you would love to see in the future. So today's topic is... What are some things lash stylists or lash salons do to cut corners? And why do they need to stop doing these things? As we know, I think when you get into business, it's easy sometimes to be short-sighted, to get too caught up in the moment, and you make decisions that only help you in the now. They don't necessarily help you in six months, two years, five years, because you're just trying to survive, just trying to get by. And I understand that pain. I know that we did things in the beginning when Tusney started that I would say weren't exactly the best for her and her business. But what we want to do is encourage you guys to really think bigger and look a little wider and try to find ways to help your business grow. And that means cutting out these shortcuts and some of these things that really don't help you in the bigger picture. Well, I think it's important because, you know, as more as our industry continues to grow and expand, there's a lot more practitioners than there used to be. And that's good. I think competition is good. But one of the races that people can try to win is this race to like the lowest prices. If they, you know, they feel like there's a lot of competition on the block, what are some of the things that they have to do to get a little edge and Sometimes people think, well, I need to attract customers. Maybe I'll just make sure that mine's just at least a dollar, two dollars cheaper than the gal down the street or, you know, the place down the street. And so these are some alternative ideas instead of going to that place first, like, let me lower my prices. You can do some of these ideas to help increase your attractability. Well, I think you just hit the first one, which wasn't in our notes, but I think the race at the bottom are going with lower prices. Just pricing yourself lower than your competition, it, that can work 
if it's strategic, if you're mm -hmm. thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm just starting out. I just been doing lashes for six months and I now feel like I can start charging. I've been doing friends and family and now I'm going to go out to the market and let's say the average new set is 150 and you're going to go, I'm going to go $100 right now. That can be strategic, but it can also set you up for failure if you have no game plan to raise your prices and get to a point where you can be profitable because if you do $100 new sets, it's going to be tough to make a living. Right. When you say friends and family though, I mean, for people who are out there who are just starting out, what do you mean by that? Like if you're like six months friends and family? Well, I know that I interview a lot of people and when I interview, I'm only asking like how they get started. What do they do? And almost universally, everyone says, mm -hmm. I did friends and family. I did my yeah. friends. I've been doing my family. In fact, sadly, most of the times when they say that's all I've done, even though they say I've been doing it for six months, that, that almost disqualifies them for applying at our salon because it's like they haven't really been doing lashes that much. Usually friends mm -hmm. and family is like, I do one on weekends. On Saturdays, I do, you know, a family member or a friend. So it's a way that most people, that's how most people get into this industry. They start just doing friends and they do family members because those people will either do it for free or they'll pay them a little tip or something as a thank you for the time. I always say that you want to practice on people that love you mm -hmm. and who, who more better to yeah. love us than our family and our friends, right? Yeah, it's because a safe place to fail. Yeah. It is, it is. Right? They're not going to write a bad review on Yelp yeah. unless that family member is truly evil. <laughs> then they go and yell like my sister did this to me it's like oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I'm gonna trying to get rid of I'm that sure family there have member been cases like that I'm sure there are but that said I think the idea is to work you know be strategic on how you, you're gonna do your pricing so yes start low but plan once you hit certain benchmarks like okay I'm gonna start a hundred dollars new set but in six months I'm gonna give myself six months to get up and going and hopefully at that point I am productive enough, meaning I'm busy enough to be able to warrant a price change. Yeah. And then, Do you think you know, that it could be better to say, like, you know, for the first six months, it's normally 150 but I'm doing 100 There you go. So it's then like, people know that eventually you're going to be 150 like the other girl down the street. That's great. That in fact, great, I think it's even yeah. better. Yeah, just put it out there saying, you know, I'm basically I'm giving you a discount. I'm half off or 50% mm -hmm. off, but, you know, My it will be a regular mm -hmm. price. So when people come in, they go in knowing – they're getting a deal now, which is an incentive to try you. Yeah. But at the same time, they're going to be going, uh, I know it will cost more down the road. But mm -hmm. also take things, I mean, we've talked about this before, take things into consideration like your rent, your supplies, and figure out what that means for you because you might not be able to compete and make money. Yes. Yeah, and you know your cost per hour is what they call it, and we've went into that in the past, and we should do a really one episode, I think, just on that, mm -hmm. but talking about how you figure out really great, clearly what your cost is per hour. And it's okay in the beginning. Most businesses run in the red when they get started. Red meaning negative. They're losing money every month, and that's a normal when you start a business. Is, you, know, you may say, my costs are $4,000 a month. I know I'm only making 2000 In fact, I'm actually working recently with a salon owner who's called me, and I've been helping her. Uh, she's getting her own place, and I've been kind of coaching her along the way what to do and how to do it. And one of the things that she didn't know is she didn't know what her costs were. So I just said, go out and get your costs. Figure it all out over the last six months. Average it out so you know every month I spend $4,000 on rent and salary and supplies and then go through the last six months and figure what you bring in. And she was like, wow, actually, I've been bringing in $3,500 a month. So, wow, you've been losing $500 a month. So what you've been doing is not paying yourself. You've been cutting your paycheck just so you can break even, and that's a bad thing. But in the beginning, again, if you're starting out there, you may realize, I know I'm going to lose money for six months. I have savings. I'm going to pull out $500 a month out of my savings to pay the bill so I can keep going. Mm -hmm. But I also know there's an end like that savings disappears in one year. Mm -hmm. So if I don't make enough money at some point, 
I'm going to end up going out of business like a lot of companies do when they first start. Right. So you have to have a strategy behind you. You've yeah. got to think through your cash flow yeah. and such. So There is a little tension at first when you're deciding your prices. And we said, you know, don't go too low. But, you know, and Christina says, you know, you got to make sure you are calculating your costs. You just want to cover your time, right, so you're not losing money. But there is a tension when you're first starting out where you want to give yourself a margin. If you charge a certain amount, it kind of implies a certain amount of quality that you're going to be able to deliver, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to be able to be generous with your time, but also the price should reflect your skill level in some sense, that it's not a guarantee. You're using them as practice, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, there's that. I guess the whole point is you want to not charge as much that they will have the expectation that they need to be taken care of in a certain way. You don't want them to walk away from the exchange feeling like, I spent all that and it was just a practice and look what I got, because that leads to a disgruntledness and a dissatisfaction with the service. You'd rather undercharge and over-deliver so that they're looking at this and they're like, this is amazing. Yeah, I had to wait in the hallway or yeah, things weren't all set up for me as a client yet, but look what I got. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to feel, I got gypped. Yeah. Well, no, but that's why setting up that six month like starter price, like this is what I'm going to be charging yeah. for six months. But then after that, this is the real price. I think least. that's a great yeah. strategy, mm-hmm. Chris. Yeah, and being patient too. I think in that process, realizing sometimes it may take a little longer. I mean, you could always say after six months, if you're not as busy as you want, saying, "Hey, I'm extending my special for another couple of months." Mm-hmm. You know, and just realize Thank it you, takes yeah. time. Don't be in a rush. If you're getting in this, knowing that you have to turn a profit within three months, you probably should wait to make that yeah. leap and maybe do something different. And maybe to that point instead of like keeping your prices low because you're not that great yet like keep the prices low but also add maybe like a face mask or like mm-hmm. a hand paraffin or something like those are things that don't like add on services yeah. Yeah. that you can increase your the ticket amount or or just give more value so you're making up for the less work like mm-hmm. for instance when you started you did facials mm-hmm. So you would give them a facial and you would do lashes on top of that. So people at least walked away going, oh, I love the facial. It was so relaxing. It was so right. great. And then, oh, the lashes, if they liked it, great. And if they didn't, like, no big deal because I got my facial. Right. And then you can eventually charge for two services if things aren't going yeah. the way you thought. Exactly. Another thought, another thing that I think that some people will do uh, to cut corners is, and I didn't write this down, so you know, this will be a new idea, but it's related to the pricing is Groupon. I think Groupon, it was something a few years ago back. We used Groupon like five, six, seven years Mm -hmm. ago, just before Christina joined us. I think I used Groupon. Yeah. And Groupon, (laughs) like seven years ago for us, was extremely useful to get Mm -hmm. a new team member busy. Mm -hmm. We would run the Groupon, make it only available for the new team member, no one else on the staff. And we would get like 100 to 150 purchases, boom, like that. And then we would know that that new person would be booked out for three months with no problem. And because we really did focus on high, uh, let's say, customer experience, that the yeah. customer experience was amazing, I tracked our retention. It was like 60% of the Groupon people stayed with us after that initial appointment. That is much higher than industry average. I think most places, people you know, just bounce around from one place to another. So when you do a Groupon, you got to like, really focus on blowing Roll them away. The red carpet. Yeah, yeah. If you want to keep them otherwise, they're used to being treated poorly. I remember seeing online, like, I bought a package or I bought a Groupon and then they said they only take Groupons on Mondays at like 6 o'clock. You know, so it's like they make it so unfriendly that the Groupon person gets disgruntled even before they're in. They're like, 
I'm like a second class citizen because <laughs> I paid nothing for this appointment. So yeah. with Groupon, there is a golden rule and you just said it. It is making sure that the level is high for quality for the service. A lot of people get discouraged about Groupon because they think, oh, I haven't made any money on this, but it's completely the wrong attitude to use it and to look at it. It is a tool. Mm -hmm. And you have to give those people that walk through the door a superior service. Why? Because that is your whole incentive. You got their money you got for this Groupon, and you're giving them subpar service. Why in the world would they turn around and pay full price to see you again? It should be something that you use to get people in the door and you blow them away so they're thinking like, oh my gosh, I have to come back. But don't use Groupon until you're ready. Like don't use Groupon when you're just really still practicing learning, like when you're a brand new salon. Right. Like maybe we until you, you've got it down and your service is good and, and it's all running smoothly. Mm -hmm. um, because for me, when I did it, I think, God, they told me and I was like, okay, they told me to do, I think 30 or $40 full sets. And I did it. I did it. And so I made only like $15 for a full set. But out of those people, like I had a lot of people and a lot of those people became my regular people. Right. And back then I was only charging, I think, $80 for a fill, but it was worth it. You know, I had practiced on my people and then I got my group on people and then that kind of built a little following. Yeah. So if I would have done it too premature, I don't think anybody would have stayed with me. It's, right? a, it's a, what you consider customer acquisition cost. Mm -hmm. You want to realize that Groupon is not a way to keep your business going. It's a way to acquire business. But at the same time, I think Groupon has changed. The persona of Groupon has changed. And one of the dangers, and this is where I'd say you're cutting corners if you go into Groupon, is you could yeah. devalue your brand and what way people identify your company. If yeah. they see you all over the place with Groupon ads and stuff like that, or you're in your social media, like, check out for my Groupon specials, people are going to think, oh, you're a discount cheap place, and you may never recover from that as a salon. That's right. So then as an option, maybe we maybe as an option, Yelp is a better way to run a Yelp special, yeah, right? I think so. I think people don't see Yelp as a discount place. They'll see an ad in there saying, hey, pay $100 for $200 credit. Mm -hmm. And it just looks like a good deal. Like, oh, wow, I'm so smart. I went and found an ad. I found a special. So that could be an easier way of going at it than Groupon. I just think Groupon now has a pretty negative connotation mm -hmm. and again you can spin it because it's all about how you handle it and you can take a negative make it a positive but we have to be careful also not to get in the cycle that some people do with Groupon in fact I know this because I've talked to many people who've tried it in the interview process again I feel like I learned so much in interviewing Lash Stylist is they say they got stuck in this cycle where you use Groupon to sell big things. So let's say they went out and sold $5,000 in Groupon and that got them enough money to get through another month. Mm -hmm. Like that paid their bills for another month. But the problem is the next two months is what's going to take to process all those Groupons. Mm -hmm. So people come in for that first month and like, okay, I paid my bills, got by. Second month comes in, they still are dealing with Groupon people, but they have no money coming in. None yeah. of these people are paying any money. And now they're in a negative cash flow in their second month and they have to run in their Groupon. Yeah. Because they need money again, like it's immediately. Like payday advances. It's yeah, <laughs> it's, it's payday advances. What you're doing, you're taking money ahead of the time. Mm -hmm. But sadly, you're taking it at such a discounted rate. You're taking your check instead of taking a thousand dollars. You're only taking five hundred just to pay the bills, and you're giving them five hundred to you know so out of your to pocket. Overcome that though would be to sell something, right? Like maybe mm -hmm. sell product, give yes. them a mascara, or make sure something like that's happening. Add on services or then, add -on services. so that that's they right. come in, get their hand treatment 
treatment or they come in and get facials. So at least you can find some extra revenue or better really limit your Groupons, you know, sit there and go, okay, you know, Groupon, I don't know because we haven't dealt with them a long time, but they used to have a, like a number, like how many yeah. do you want to sell? You can sit down and go, how many people are going to deal in the month? Maybe you can say, I can take 20 people in a week, so maybe around 80 people a month. So I'm only going to sell 30 Groupons, so that way I don't fill my whole schedule up with Groupons. I just get enough to get me busy but not melt down my schedule so that I have no revenue coming in for the next two months. Mm-hmm. So, Right. All right. So that was Groupon and lowering your prices or you know, basically – Pricing. What else? What other things do people do that sometimes they cut corners that can actually end up hurting them? Well, this is just kind of dovetailing on the last thing we just talked about is the practice that people do. They will discount their services sometimes. Mm-hmm. When I first started, one of the things that I would do sometimes in the conversation with the guest, like if the client was sharing, oh, they're having a hard time with such and such or having a hard time paying their bills or something like that, every now and then I would often do, oh, give them $5 off, give them $10 off. And I remember when Paul joined and he was looking at the tickets, he would say, why are you giving this person a discount? And I'd be <laughs> like, oh, you know, they're having a hard time during the, you know. <laughs> and I'm thinking, my focus was completely wrong. I'm thinking that this is a friend, right? And I want to be a friend too, so I'm going to show them. He's like, you're a business person. You can't do that, you know. Why are you trying to do this? Well, I'm trying to show them that I'm, you know, in solidarity with them. I care. And (laughs) he's just like, why don't we give some value instead? Don't discount services. I know that's things that people do sometimes. This is your expertise, Mm -hmm. you know. I think just like what you said earlier, it's better to add on a service than it is to just discount here and there $5. I mean, in some ways you can be buying loyalty from people, but they begin to expect that. They begin to expect it every time you think, why am I doing this? You know, really should only be discounting the services if you've done something wrong, like maybe you were late, maybe you messed up with their scheduling, they had to wait, something like that. That would be an appropriate time to give a discount, but not just because they're sharing with you that they're having a hard time financially. Yeah, because sometimes you say they become your friend, right? So you start thinking like a friend instead Mm -hmm. of thinking like a business person. And that's a dangerous trap to get into because you start thinking like a friend You'll discount everyone. <laughs> you always hear the sob stories. Everyone's always somewhere in your life you're going to have a problem. And then if you could use that as a motivation to always yeah. incentivize to give them you know, discounts, then I think you're going to find yourself wondering why you're now in a hard place mm-hmm. at the end of the month and your rent's due. And you're like, I discounted too much this whole month. Mm-hmm. Well, so. I mean, you do what? You said 20 people a week if you're doing well. Yes. Times four, that's 80 people times five. Like, it's $450. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that adds up so real adds quick. Up. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, giving value is a better thing to do than discounting. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about doing this with the new clients. $400. <laughs> we want to talk about this. This is the idea for new sets because people pay $300 for a new set with us and we do classic. So that's actually pretty high in the market. Mm-hmm. And we've thought about as a way to give value is send them not just a thank you card. We've talked about sending them flowers mm-hmm. at home. Like they get this little small little bouquet thank you like the next day later saying we so much enjoyed having you come in. Thanks for coming in. Da, 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 da. And just find a nice way. Now we realized that was going to get really crazy expensive. But it, so it was a little bit probably too far. Mm-hmm. But that would be one way instead of discounting and saying I'm going to do a new set and charge only $200 or 150 or half off. You do something like that. I guarantee you, everyone's going to be talking about your new sets. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh my gosh, you would not believe. I went home and they sent me flowers and they checked in on me to see how I love my work. 
they're going to become raving fans. So I guess that's a way, like uh, what you're saying right now, I think I'm just going to try to break that down yeah. real quick. So for us, what we do is instead of sending the flowers, we charge them the $300, mm-hmm. they get a thank you card. It used to at one time when our team was smaller, it was everybody signed the thank you. Were you here for that? Everybody signed yeah. the thank you card at yeah. the same time. Mm-hmm. So like, if I don't you... remember if I was here. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be like Erica's new set. Erica would be like, it was so great to talk to you. Like, you know, hope your son saw her game was great or whatever. And then the card got passed around. Yeah. Everybody signed it. It went in the mail. And we had a lot of response from that. Yeah. So it's It some... logistically became difficult to do with yeah. 12, 15 people to get everyone to sign a card. So now we just make sure that one person fills it out and sends it. And that's what we do as a way to add value to that. So yeah. it's still it's totally different than what anybody else is doing. Yeah. And then Paul, I know you'll check up, right? On we there, here's the thing we used to do, and I'll be honest, we do two things. One, we send an email through Frederick. That's a program that we use. That is a great kind of follow up program. It's uh, and it basically goes out and says, "Hey, rate your experience one to ten. That's all it is. It's and um, it's automatic, right? It's automatic. They check out and then they get the email. And it's called Net Promoter. Is the philosophy I think was developed in Harvard, if I remember right, and Net Promoter is just a way of evaluating a service or company, a rating one to ten. If someone gives you a nine or ten, that means they are a fan. They love your company. If they give you a seven or eight, that means they're indifferent. Like they like an eight actually is like, uh, eh, it's okay. And a one to six means they actually did not have a good experience. They're like detractors. They're, they're tra- they call them detractors. And basically, based upon your rating, you can tell how strong your business is. Then thank God for us. We're at 90% on the net promoter rate, which is like considered off the charts. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> the average companies are around 40, 50 as a rating, and that just means they're doing okay. So we use this tool is to get a response feeling from our clients on the first appointment. And then we also, well, we used to do this. What Christine was referring to is we would call them two days after. And to be honest, we've kind of fallen out of that best practice because of just being overwhelmed with work, but that's something we really need to get in, back into. And if you're new and working by yourself, especially, and you have a little bit time calling your client i'd give them two days i wouldn't call them always the next day but give them two days experience see how their lashes are working and just call them say hey i'm just checking in to see how you like your lashes hopefully you had a good experience with us and probably three out of four phone calls you'll just leave a message and once in a while you'll actually get to talk to someone and then you get to interact with them and the good news here if they're not happy you're going to be able to get them back in and fix it before they write that bad review on yelp and that's a big yeah. Big help. Th- this is why this tool is incredibly valuable. But you have to plan on getting some of that negative feedback. When we first started using this, one of the things that I would be not frustrated with, but I was a little surprised that oh, we're getting a lot of a little bit of complaints. And I remember uh, Paul, you you sharing with me, you're like, hey, this is a good thing. This is what we want, right? Yeah. And you guys remember what my most favorite quote is, right? That our most unhappy customers are our greatest source of learning. I try to say that at every podcast, yeah. right? but <laughs> it's true. We're inviting people to share with us the pain points that they're experiencing with the company or their interaction with us. And the reason why is so that we can improve so that we can do a better job for other people, right? So don't be afraid of quote unquote bad feedback because it's an invitation for you to be sharpened by it. And the good news is because we're soliciting it we're hitting on that pain point for them and we're showing them that we care so that an issue can be dealt with effectively before it gets to the point of anger where it goes on to a public review like Google or Yelp where we have to work twice as hard to get that negative feedback down. But so if you see it as an invitation and um, a way to prevent a stopgap for you to prevent from having bad social media interactions, you can really use it as a tool and grow from it. 
I think that's right on because I see a lot of people being really resistant to negative feedback and almost like really defensive. Mm -hmm. So how did you, because we all learn, we're all in that process and our natural response is to be defensive. But I think this Mm -hmm. is a really, really great way. I mean, I, I see this as a way people do cut corners is not, you know, shying away from those hard conversations or shying away from that negative experience and just ignoring it. Right. But that really is doing a huge disservice in the long run. So for you working through that pain point in the growth of Integrity Lash, what did you do? Well, the first thing is it's like a mental training, right? Like when somebody says something negative at first, your first reaction is to be like defensive, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing that you have to do is take a nice big bite of humble pie Mm -hmm. and say, I'm going to chew on this while they talk and I'm just going to listen. I'm going to separate myself from what they're saying so that I can make sure that I'm hearing them. Mm -hmm. So I'm not putting myself in the equation until I make sure that I understand what they're saying and then I can repeat it back to them. You're not taking responsibility when you're doing that, but you're listening to them. You're taking responsibility to listen to them. And just that process of being able to separate yourself and then repeat back to them what you hear the problem is, it gives you time to process and gives you time to think, this is how we can help this person. So that's like the first mental discipline is Mm -hmm. just discipline yourself to hear what they're saying and then to repeat it. Because that is the first thing at just calming everything it's like throwing a wet towel on a fire it just kind of smothers everything and also it I mean it puts you on the same page right because if you're not hearing it correctly they'll say that's not what I meant you know mm-hmm. Getting on the same page is important to fixing that problem I think <laughs> yeah I know that when we first started getting employees like eight years ago one of the common things I hear from people is like, I never heard complaints before I started here. Oh, yeah. People but, complain too much here, like yeah. the clients. Yeah, the, the, the clients would say that. Our staff would say that. Yeah. Like, I've been doing lashes for two years. I never got any complaints. And I'm like, actually, you did. They just never returned to you because right. you weren't welcoming the idea. You were not encouraging people to give you feedback. In fact, maybe you even stonewalled them a little bit and gave them the impression like their opinions were not welcomed. Yeah. And so they just took their business elsewhere. And thus, you never heard complaints. So another way that we see people cutting corners a lot or a really tempting way, I think, is to only take cash mm-hmm. or do you think it does Venmo go into that category? No, I don't think so. Venmo is a, a nice a service. Right? It's a paper trail. Yeah. And it's it, we'll see how long Venmo is free. There's a, I think yeah. Venmo's just It'll trying to get more like a PayPal. Yeah. I remember right, they're owned, I think, by PayPal. And uh, it is a if it's a service they're using right now to get people on it. Yeah. And like anything, you get people on it, eventually you go, oh, by the way, it costs money now, sorry. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> it, but it also, like there's a Square app called Cash, which does the same thing. Mm-hmm. And now you can like send money and messages on Apple phones. IPhones. Yeah, yeah, you can send it straight so, from your phone now. And you can do other things. I think Instagram's setting up now where you can do purchases through probably, Instagram yeah. and so forth. See, I think that's really good because if it's something that's convenient for the client, or the client's asking for it, then go ahead and use it. What I take offense, not offense to, but what gives me pause when people only take cash is that sometimes it's not best for the client. It's not. You know that it's best for you because... You don't pay the credit card fees. You don't have to pay the credit card fees. If you're not on the up and up, you're not paying taxes on it. But um, sometimes it can be a hindrance for the client. And I'll share a story with you. I was 
signing up for personal coaching from somebody that I had been following for a while and inquired. And she says, oh, great. Yes. So the amount is like $1,000. And I'm thinking, great. She's like, and when you come, you're going to bring the cash and put it in an envelope and set it on the table. And I thought to myself, okay, it (laughs) really, yeah, Yeah, (laughs) it really gave me pause because I'm thinking this is personal coaching for business training. So I know that as a business person, this isn't a business expense. I want a paper trail for this. And it's also quite inconvenient for me to have to go to the bank beforehand, bring enough cash. And I'm thinking that's not easy for the client. $1,000 yeah. is like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Made me yeah. resent the business practice because I knew it wasn't for my best or the client's best. So it made me look at her differently because I'm thinking that's not in your client's best interest. It's the same thing. Well, I know that. I walk into a store... It doesn't happen often, but once in a while you'll walk in and you go, okay, I'll pull my debit. And they'll go, oh, I'm sorry, we only take cash here. For me personally, that's so offensive in so many ways because I know like you're doing this only because you don't want to pay the credit card fees. I don't carry 60 or 80, $100 cash on me anymore. I generally do everything electronically. And now you've made me either have to leave, which you just lost that business. Or if I really have to come back, you've made me make sure I'm never going to come back. I'll pay this one time and then I'll go somewhere else. Or you turn around and you're like, well, where's your ATM machine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is now going to cost me two fifty yeah. of a fee to use this ATM versus my bank ATM, yeah, right. which is not convenience at all, which I always call it a convenience fee, which I'd never understood. It's, an oxymoron. it's an inconvenience. It's yeah. an inconvenience fee is what it should be called. Thank you. It's a euphemism. Yeah, it really is. So taking cash, I think, is a bad sign. It inconveniences your guests and sends the wrong message. A lot of people now, I mean, you see it on our forums that we're part of. A lot of people are doing credit card deposits, right? Like even us, like to book an appointment, you have to leave your credit card number. Well, if your intention is to charge, if they don't show, Mm -hmm. how can you charge that? Like you're just actually hurting yourself if you're not doing that. Mm-hmm. I also think, you know, I see, you see this not only taking credit cards, but taking a deposit up front. Some people insist on doing that. I think you're scaring clients away. I think there's a lot of clients are going to look at that and go, nah, I'll go to the place that doesn't require me to pay a deposit up front because I just don't feel comfortable first getting my credit card and secondly, you right now today charging me that's and I don't cool. even know you. Yeah. I mean, with the day and age with theft and all the stuff that's going on out there, that's a bad sign. We're okay taking the credit card, but we actually don't charge it even if they don't. I mean, if clients are listening like, oh boy, I know this now. But the truth is this, mm-hmm. we don't charge that credit card because all they have to do is call their credit card company and say, I never went Stop in. Stop payment. Stop yeah. payment. And they win 99.99% yeah. of the time. They win the, that the battle. The only way that you can do that and it would stick is if you have them yeah. sign a release yeah. ahead Up of front, time. And yeah. some places will have you do that. The reason why we don't is just a hindrance. You know, it's you got to fax it back or scan it. And, yeah. you know, it's just too, too much. much work. Too much work. Yeah. I mean, clients... You want to create the easiest path into your salon. Erica's chair is sinking, by the way. Well, we've I know, been she's watching. wondering what is <laughs> happening to you. Yeah, lower, well, we're sitting here watching here, and <laughs> Erica's mic, she's like, looking we'll up to it. We'll go ahead and put that in the show notes. Yeah, no, yeah. Just take kidding. a picture of Erica as she sinks below the table. <laughs> actually, really quickly, yeah. back to the cash thing, I wanted to mention that it actually hinders you only taking cash because the paper trail is so hard 
to follow that when you do want to do things like buy a house or you're trying to get a loan or anything like there's, mm-hmm. it's a really hard way to prove your income. And even though you have done your taxes, let's say you've done everything right. The IRS still is like, I want to see more proof. So or if you go hard. to the bank and there's a business you want, maybe not the house, but you just want to get a small loan for your business. And they're like, well, what did you make last year? And you go, well, we made $80,000, but on paper I made 30 because you took cash and you didn't report like half of it. Aside from the ethical and moral issues here that you're just not doing the right thing, you're not paying your fair share, so to say, and you're not helping as a community of people, we should be contributing because we all uh, benefit from these taxes. At the same time, you're hurting yourself because now the bank thinks, well, you only made 30000 and they want to know what your average income is, what your bank statements are, how much money you have in your bank account. They're going to look at that information for a loan. They're going to want to see the cash flow in your company. And if they see no cash flow and it's all under the table, they're going to turn you down. They're going to say, I'm sorry, but you're just not generating enough revenue. Like, well, I really do. No, we don't see it, though. We actually have to see numbers, real numbers, not just things that you do under the table. And that's what they expect, by Mm -hmm. the way. If you're in the beauty industry, every banker expects you to not be reporting all your income. I mean, if I could share a personal story. We recently bought a house. And and it was so unusual for the banks to see that I had a W-2, that they thought it was fraudulent. Tell me the story. We had to keep... (laughs) I love this story. It's awful, actually. Thank you for for laughing at my pain. (laughs) No, no, no. But um, I don't know if you knew, but they saw my W-2s and they thought they were fraudulent and so they were like this is impossible like beauty people don't make this mm-hmm. on W-2 and so they kept asking I mean I think they called you a few the, times at least three times yeah. I had to keep giving more and more information yeah duplicate triplicate you know just keep piling on the data yeah. to really prove because it was an honest way that yeah. it was done and even like our lender was like this never happens like and he like, like our the- lender was a personal friend of my my husband's a realtor and so he's a personal friend of his and he was like or is this really like right? Like, are you guys fudging you this? Because the they're gonna up. call. Is this legit, yeah, Chris? it was like so frantic that we almost didn't get it because we were honest. It, yeah. It's just so crazy <laughs> that. It, so it really shows that our industry is so backwards the that we're not bit, usually yeah. doing it the right way is the way the IRS sees it. So if those are things that you're thinking of, you know, ha- buying a house, buying a bigger salon or whatever it is, you have to start doing it the right way because, like, they want to see at least two years of past income in order to do those things. And yeah. that's right. just the minimum. I mean, they went back, like, five years for us. They wanted to see before I was W-2. And so, mm-hmm. so it was wow. crazy. Mm-hmm. And also taking cash, I think, you know, while it has short-term benefits, I get it. It makes sense. But there's so many other things besides from loans, even like workers' comp. If you have employees and you're doing cash payments and you're paying your team even cash under the table, then you're not reporting all the income. So if that person were to get injured at your place yeah. and you have insurance, they're going to look again, what do they look at? at? Income. What is the actual heart, what you're reporting to the IRS? That's going to be their basis on what your workers' comp settlement, which is usually about two-thirds of what your normal paycheck is. So if you're making you know, $1,000 a month, let's say, you're going to get about six fifty or you know, almost 700 a month. But if you have nothing or you show that, yeah, I normally make uh, 1000 but I only report $300, well, guess what? Your workers' comp, you're getting like $200 a also, month. Also, I mean, like, I get really excited about this, but we have AFLAC mm-hmm. at work. I mean, it's something that's brought in and it's optional, but AFLAC supplements <laughs> They're not our, sponsor our yet. disability. So like if you make, let's say, $1,000 a week, they will pay 
whatever disability doesn't pay to yeah. make your actual check. So you'll actually, let's mm-hmm. say you get six fifty from the government and you get three hundred then from Aflac, and you've actually evened out your pay but while you're injured. You're not paying into any systems. Yeah. There's no way to prove to Aflac that that's what it yes, is. Again. And so for you guys that are considering it, let me just make this a commercial real quick because I have disability and cancer and what else? Something else I have. Insurance. Hospital insurance. Accident. accident. I think I have yeah. an accident one. And um, each of those, if you go for a wellness exam, it's a wellness exam is free through insurance. And I just made a claim and they sent me a check. They yeah. give you a check. They yeah. literally For gave me wellness. a check. Yeah. And it's quick, too. It's not like months. Oh, it happened like the next day. I filed it, and the check was in the mail like two days later. I received it. Aflac is great. No, yeah, it is. Big shout out to Aflac mm-hmm. here. But anyhow, so taking cash and only paying in cash each other and all that can really hurt your company. E- even the policy on the tips. I, I went somewhere. It had a sign that said, we only accept cash tips. Mm-hmm. And as a business owner, I looked at that, and I understand why. Because the business gets charged the credit card fees to process their employees' tips. But again, it's not necessarily what's in the best interest for the client. The client will have to either remember to carry cash in order to tip the client, but it's friction for the client. It's an obstacle. It's a pain point that they have to get over. So what we want to do for smooth sailing is to try to eliminate that kind of friction so that it's easy for them. So when you have policies like, oh, only cash tip, it's not what's in the best interest of the client. In fact, some clients may not tip you. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you just lost out. I didn't have any cash. Sorry. I've seen this at the front desk, and I never understand it. It's happened a few times. The client's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't have any cash on me. I'm like, well, you just paid with a credit card. <laughs> you can put it on the credit card. But they're playing. It's like, oh, poor me. I don't have any money. Sorry. No tip for you. But that said, I think the big thing... It does save you money. I mean, we pay almost $300 in fees right now. I've calculated this while you're talking. Almost $300 mm-hmm. every month just to pay our team's fees for the credit card tips. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. I mean, it's $3,600 a year that the company loses mm-hmm. in credit card fees just for the tips. That's not paying for the fees for all the other charges. That's just for the tips. Well, so in your mind, oh, man, that's a lot of money. I want to save it. Yes, I understand it, but you're still bigger picture. I think it's worth paying that. And you just include that in your cost of operations. You right. just have to figure out what your costs are and make sure you're charging enough as a company to make up for those costs. And the reason why we do it is twofold. It's because it's the best thing for the client yes. and it's also the best thing for the teammate, yes. the employee, because it's making their life easier. They can see it itemized on their check and it's the best thing for them. So. Yes, definitely. So anything else? I got a list here. but Yeah, I think what goes right in with this whole conversation is also not taking American Express, right? Oh, yeah. You see that all the time, actually. Oh, I know. It's like the first thing to go when a business is in in trouble. I always tell us, when you go in a company, if they see, I'm sorry, we don't take American Express anymore, like they're going to be gone in a year. (laughs) Because if it matters Almost 100% of the time, that's true. (laughs) That, you know, because the percentage points are higher, that lots of people say, well, you know, you almost always carry MasterCard or Visa, so you might as well it's just a sign that things aren't going as well well you're telling people you're cheap i think you're telling people you're cheap and that's again if you want to create a luxury brand that has high value you don't want to be communicating to people that oh by the way i can't afford american express as a company what you need to do is make sure you're charging enough for your services and then also make sure you're drawing in enough clients to pay for that so if if your problem is you're not getting enough clients the saving fact is not the fact you're going to cut off american express that means you need to change your marketing you need to change your Mm -hmm. services you need to change the way you communicate your message to people to get new clients it is not let's find ways to cut every corner possible and cutting american express tells everyone 
that you're a struggling company or you're not doing again what's best for the client. For the client. And right. that's what you gotta be keeping. What is best for the client? So when you to go back to the beginning, when you're deciding your prices, these are things you have to put into your costs. Mm-hmm. Like you don't forget that. You know, this is a line item in your monthly costs. You pay for credit cards. That's all it is. It's yes. just another expense. Yeah, we plan in our budget. Every month our credit card fees range from about fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars a month, depending on the cash flow and how many people pay cash versus credit cards and such. Mm-hmm. So I know that's a line item, and I predict it and plan it every month, and it's part of my budget. So you yeah. got to have that hard number. And that's one of the numbers that a lot of people forget to do when they first start. I don't realize how much really goes to credit cards. And when you start doing larger and larger numbers, that fee keeps spiraling upward, and mm-hmm. it can get kind of scary when you think, crap, they're about to deduct $1,500 from our bank account. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Make sure we have that. So. So another thing uh, people do is they charge for things that should be free. Yep. Things like, you know, cleaning lashes, like a cleaning lash fee. I know that we have been tempted to do that. At one time we were thinking, well, how can we motivate Mm -hmm. people to come in with lashes that have been prepped and taken care of? How can we incentivize that? So we did talk about, well, maybe we should charge them to clean, you know. But we've come to the conclusion that's actually not a good thing that's to do. so funny to me. That's like going and getting your nails done. They're going to charge you to, like, trim your nails. Right? <laughs> so strange. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Let's or they, or do they, do they, I don't, see, I haven't gotten a haircut so long, but they're going to wash your hair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sorry, Paul yeah. doesn't have hair. Well, they, <laughs> they factor in, I think, shampoo because it's, like, yeah. the product. Isn't that part of the They part do of charge this? for blow dry, though. So, I mean, I guess if you break it down, it depends. Because of the time. It depends yeah. on what you're doing. And the product you use yeah. in the, in, and then, the you know, I feel like we have thrown around the idea, not in the service, like its own service, like if somebody had wedding lashes or whatever, yeah. come in and have a specific cleaning yeah. and we would charge for that. But yeah, you're right. It is like clipping your nails. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if somebody comes in with full on mascara and we've all had this situation, we've all grown inside, even though we're like, it's okay. <laughs> I know some people will say, oh, if I have to clean your lashes because it takes extra time, then you're going to pay for it. I think what's better is you clean them. There's no charge for that. They don't get the full lashes because they have used that time for cleaning, really. And so you have to explain to them, we had two hours. Mm-hmm. I had to spend 30 minutes removing your waterproof mascara. It can actually take that long. It sometimes. really yeah. can. It's really. crazy. So with the remaining time, we have an hour and a half. I'm going to do the best that I can to fill your lashes, but you may have to come back for a half an hour touch-up because you came in with... We would call it touch-up. Half that's an free. hour appointment. Yeah, that's right. A half yeah. an hour appointment. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. not a touch-up. That's bad, yeah. It, everyone has different words. A touch-up for right. is a, when we make a mistake, we call right. it touch-up, and we will fix it in the first seven days after the appointment. Otherwise, we have these things called plus or mm-hmm. single. Plus is a 30-minute, single is one hour, and those are appointments you come in where you want more lashes. Oh, great. Come on back in. We'll get you in for another 30, 60 minutes and add in more lashes. So those. same thing if someone's like 30 minutes late to their appointment. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't they'll give them. That, yeah. They'll ask for a free touch-up. And this is something we were learning to do in our staff. We're in fact, in training next week, we're going to talk about managing your clients better so they don't take advantage of you. And clients kind of learn your techniques or your language. Some clients will try to use a system in their favor. And, and that's an area where you just have to kind of put the wall down and say, you were late, so we're not going to do a free touch-up. You can come back, though. You can buy more time if you want to get more lashes. And we're going to share those ideas at another time. Sure. I think we've kind of hit that a little bit in the past. But yeah, we'll do more client management. I think that's something we can talk about pretty regularly. That's (laughs) another reason, too, to charge on time. 
That's, That's right. why we like charging on time. Yeah. We Just charge like by time, well. right? Yeah. Not by technique, mm-hmm. not by Lash type light or service or, you know, it's or like 80 lashes is this price. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think that's dying out. Thank God. Yeah. yeah that so used too. to be all over the place. You'd yeah. be like, well, if you want 50, it's this 80, it's this hundred, it's that. I'm like, it's so confusing. Oh. Our guests understand that. And to the client management point, our guests understand that. And so it takes the weight off of our stylists. Mm-hmm. So our stylists will say, and we all do this, like when they're walking in and they're like, oh, I know I'm late. I just have to use the restroom. So as we're walking them back to our room, we're like, hey, you know, we're a little short on time today. So I'm going to do what I can in the time that we have left for you. If And then when they're done and they're like, oh, it really doesn't look like a two hour appointment when I only had an hour left. You just say, you know what? I totally agree with you. Let's go to the front and see if we can book you more time. And That's then right. they know mm-hmm. and their expectations have been managed. And well, you've put it on their behavior. Mm-hmm. See, that way you can Nicely still though. be kind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kindly, kindly and, not and, in their face. Right. Like, you're wrong. Instead <laughs> of being irritated when they show up and you're looking at your wash and you're tapping your wrist and you're saying, ah, you can't go to the bathroom. You can't make that phone call. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you say, sure, I'll help you with that phone call. Sure, you can go to the ladies' room. It's your, t- it's your time. Then you're transferring those expectations onto them. They can blow through all the time they want because it is their time. But as long as you're reflecting that this is how they're spending their time, mm-hmm. you're in the clear for it. And we do make a point to put, we use Booker as our booking system. So we'll ask the front desk to put it in Booker. They were 13 minutes late. She went to the restroom. I got started on her at 23 minutes late. And then she had to use a phone. And mm-hmm. so those things are all in the notes. So when she calls back for her free touch-up, the desk will be like, well, actually. Because they don't see it as them being late. They'll say, well, I got here. I was like maybe five minutes late. And so it should only be five minutes after. And then the front desk will say, well, actually, we had to remove your lashes. And it says you had to make some personal phone calls. So the stylist didn't actually get started until 32 minutes past your appointment. And when you're doing three to five lashes a minute, Mm -hmm. like we do. Yeah. That really adds up. It does add yeah. up. So you have it can it's, be like a whole outer corner, inner corner, or a whole like middle <laughs> row of lashes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the challenge is to get the client to see the connection between the time right. and the choices that they're making and the amount of lashes that they're getting. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to feel like you have to become an absolute magician to pull mm-hmm. this amazing thing off in like thirty two minutes. You have a doofy set, right? And don't stress yourself out over it. It's yeah. no, it's their responsibility. Well, and also on the other side of that, if we are late to a client, that's a different mm-hmm. conversation. Because mm-hmm. if it's my fault that I'm late, mm-hmm. they're not going to pay for that. So that that's might be right. like a free 30-minute, you know, I'm never that late. But, you know, oh, yeah. all, it all adds up. When we're late on them, we have to move their appointment. That's when we give a discount. Mm-hmm. Not because the client's having a hard time financially, but because we've missed the mark. We've dropped the ball. I mean, we recently had somebody who, I mean, she was so sweet for staying, but she got sick during the appointment, like a tummy sick. And so she kept running out and I think the client was okay. But in that instance, she'd been gone for so long, you know, we'd welcome. The stylist got sick. Right. right. So we would welcome the guests back and say, please come in. Like we understand it was an unusual appointment. And luckily our guests, they understand, like we have that already set up where they know that we never leave the room. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. they know something's wrong. Mm -hmm. We'll, take care of it. Yeah, that's right. It's always communicating that you care. That's mm-hmm. the goal. If you communicate you care, your clients will give you a mile to go. If you don't communicate that, and that comes through your words and through your actions, mm-hmm. and you just like run out of the room and don't say anything, don't explain anything, 
and then you keep coming back and you ignore it and pretend it like it didn't happen. You hope that they were sleeping maybe at that time and they weren't. I think they're going to get angry over time or get irritated with you. Right. I just want to flesh out that last question that we said, you know, charging for things that should be free. We talked yeah. about cleaning lashes. Right. In other podcasts, we talk about charging for spoolies. Personally, I think that that should be free because if you're trying to make income on those $2 spoolies, there's the better ways to do it. Just put in your cost of doing business. I have heard of people charging more money for using different glues or even different lashes. Like, oh, if you want to curl lashes, it's $2 extra. Or what's funny is that they'll call the different synthetics different names. So they'll have... Oh, we have our mink, synthetic, our s- sable, uh, we have yeah. our fox, we have all these. It's all synthetic. Yeah. Okay, it's just a different texture a little bit. And there's no, at so least... So negligible. And, and for us, we've bought from a ton of companies overseas. And most of them, there's almost no price difference because they're all synthetics. Once in a while, they'll charge a little bit more for one synthetic over another. Generally, they're all the same price. But for you to turn that around and then say, oh, you want this type of lash? Well, I'm going to charge $10 more for the service than the other one. It didn't really cost you anything. Yeah. I think it's not a best practice. And you should just figure out in general, like, what are your total costs for the whole month? Figure out what that is and charge enough to make a profit over that instead of nickel and diming people. I just saw somebody saying that they use real Siberian mink. I mean, it did look different in her pictures. Like, it really did look like a different texture. Yeah. What do you think about that? Like, do you think that's... Well, there are actual mink lashes that you can buy. They are more irregular. They're a straighter lash, that kind of thing. Well, Not- when you say that, when you get, you'll see the strip, right? Normally, it's really clean, identical. And They're all uniform. But when you get the real, real mink, it will not look that way. Hair. Also, if you want to test it, just burn it. Take a couple fibers out in your tweezers and light it on fire. If it has that hair smell, it's hair. If it melts and you can see the it's difference, ball it, it balls up and it creates a different smell. Um, even a silk fiber is going to behave differently than a cotton fiber, but it's going to smoke. If it's any kind of plastic, PET, polyester, it will melt. So that's one way that you can test it. But an actual real fiber is going to be different curls and different lengths. Also, just FYI, when you use animal fiber hair... Those fibers have been treated with heat to curl them, not breaking the disulfide bonds like with the lash lift and the perms that we were talking about earlier. It's not a chemical straightening, so it doesn't hold. So the the animal fiber hair will actually straighten over time. And we're in L.A., so, like, I mean, I don't know where you're at, and I don't know how big it is right now, but, like, here, everything's vegan. Like, everything yeah. is vegan-friendly. Yeah. And so, yeah. actually, I know our front desk has started saying that we have vegan-friendly lashes. That might be, and like, for us in L.A., it's a mm-hmm. selling point. You know, That's people right. call asking for mink, and then mm-hmm. when they say it's vegan-friendly, they're like, oh, wait, I didn't even realize that, like, connection. Right. Most people, though, don't realize that even if they think they're using real mink, they probably aren't. Yeah. Because sometimes, especially if you're buying direct from Asia, which I think most people aren't, most people are probably just buy from one of the big companies like Borboletta and Bella and such. But if they are buying overseas, some of these companies don't clarify that their lashes, they say mink, but they don't clarify it's synthetic mink. They just say, oh, yeah, we have mink lashes. Buy them from us. Mm-hmm. And because there is a language barrier, a cultural barrier and all that, sometimes I think people here have bought lashes thinking they're buying really mink, but they're not. Because overseas, the labeling requirements are a little bit looser. So it might say 100% mink 
and 100% synthetic. I mean, which is it, right? Yeah. You have to be a little discerning. So if you really want to know, do the burn test. Yeah, that'll tell you. And then the big thing, I think, for us, uh, there's like three reasons why we don't use it. But you mentioned one, which is it doesn't hold up as well. because It comes back straighter. It comes back straighter. straighter. But I think the big ethical question is no one knows how people get it and what it looks like. I have spent a lot of time going online, looking, searching, trying to find a place that would share their best practices for mink lashes, well, and I've yet to see one that does. They don't share that information. It can't be any different than what they do to them for first. So, well, yeah, I called years and years ago. I can't even remember the name of the organization, but it was the American Fur. I wanted to find out how much fur that they harvest was allocated for beauty services, right? At the time that I made the inquiry, they had no way of even asking that question. They didn't even know. So I thought it must be such an infinitesimally small amount. It's not even a line item for them. Like, how is it processed? It wasn't even a factor. That was maybe 10 years ago, so things are a little bit different now. But I think because most of the stuff comes overseas, it's not being regulated here in the States. In the States, there would be a lot more clear regulation, I'm sure, for animal treatment. Mm -hmm. But because it's from overseas, we know that there's a lot of times no regulation from some of these countries and because of that we have no idea of what the treatment is so i always assume worst case scenario Mm -hmm. because businesses sadly generally when they have no regulation will go to the worst place possible to make money Mm -hmm. and i think it's just safe to say don't go there Mm -hmm. don't buy lashes that are have real mink in them just stay away from that because i'd say your odds are 99 percent sure that they're coming from a place that's really horrible to the animals treats them terribly and that they're not being caged properly they're not being treated properly and i think that's a, a safe assumption. What a terrible way to find out you're allergic to mink on your eyeballs. <laughs> that's another allergy possible allergy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, that's another reason why not to do because you may also be allergic. You already have enough problems with the glue. Now you're adding another element to your eyes that could you be allergic to. Right. Just a little sidebar, just FYI. I asked the question myself, you know, well what is the benefit when using a mink fiber, right? As you recall, mink fibers were first used for the strip lash. You know, mm-hmm. handmade strip lash. J-Lo mm-hmm. had, you what, know, $10,000 mm-hmm. for these amazing mink lashes, right? Why they use mink? Well, a mink fiber is tapered at the end. It comes out just like our own hair, our own eyelashes. It's tapered at the end. The fibers that they were using in strip lashes before were human hair, right? But if you use a human hair one, it's blunt at the end. So all the pre-made lashes, there was an element of realism that was missing, right? If you're using a straight hair for a strip lash, it's not a long-wearing item. So curling it with heat makes sense, just like a little mini curling iron, right? Because you're going to take that lash off. You're not going to wash your face and wear it the next day. So a mink fiber is perfect for that because it's tapered at the end and it will be hand curled up, right? But it's a different beast when you glue that fiber onto the lash that's designed to be an extended wear item. So yeah, you've got that pointed tip, But the curl straightens out, right? And it's not as uniform, which means that it takes a little bit more time and efficiency to apply them, right? So you think, what's the benefit for the client? The benefit with using a synthetic lash is it's perfectly curled every time. It's going to maintain that curl for as long as they wear it. It's not going to straighten out. And then the lashes that we use for the application have a porosity over them that's different than the actual hair. The hair mm-hmm. is going to have a cuticle. A mink fiber is incredibly slick. Even though it'll grab the glue, its surface is a little bit different, so it's going to behave a little different with the adhesive. 
there are different lashes that cost more. For example, mm-hmm. glitter lashes do. Yeah. There's colored lashes. If you do color lashes, you're going to have to stock a multicolor palette. Even these pre-made fans that they're coming out, they're more expensive. Yes. So you have to think about your policy ahead of time about are you going to just roll those extra costs into it or create a separate menu item? Just make sure that it's very clear for the client mm-hmm. so that they know. But I guess what we're advocating is don't arbitrarily just, if you see an opportunity where the client has a chance to choose, oh, this glue or this curl, don't just charge willy-nilly for it. There because to. of their lack of knowledge. They don't understand the industry, so you take advantage of that lack of knowledge, and you just charge more for something just arbitrarily. It's like, well, this doesn't really cost me more, but I make it sound really luxurious, right. so I can charge but more for it. we're exploring those volume lashes, right? The pre-made fan. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is so much more expensive yes. so that is something but like you said we have to be clear on that and be like look i'm going to try this out for you we're just going to see if it works mm-hmm. and eventually we are going to charge you for this we're not sure yet but you know yeah. this is something that we're working on yeah. it can't just yeah. be hey try this and then in six months be like okay so what it's 75 dollars more now yeah <laughs> so, gotcha <laughs> <laughs> okay we're almost at the end here so let's just do one more one more tip or one more area where you see people mm. cutting corners that actually can hurt the company in the long term? Uh, You know, I want to bring up something. It's one thing to have a boutique and to sell things under different scopes, right? Mm -hmm. Like to be like, I'm a lash salon, but I also sell scarves. uh, scarves. And it's interesting. I see some people that are selling online and they're promoting these things that... They're fashionable, but they're not necessarily lashes. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's one girl that I follow, and I think it's great, actually, Mm -hmm. but she does these tooth gems. I don't know if you've seen them. (laughs) I licked my... (laughs) (laughs) She does these tooth gems, and they're great. Like, they're diamonds and rhinestones, and it's the coolest thing. You mean she glues a rhinestone on your tooth? Yeah, it's a whole thing. I think we're going to see it at the show. We might not have seen it last year at the show. It's a scavenger hunt item. It's a really cool thing. It's almost like, remember the nail art? Mm. It's that on your teeth. You know what's funny is, one of the other companies I interviewed with before, you guys, they were doing that. What? And this was like, you know, Five, almost three years three ago. Three years ago, yeah. Yeah. So I think... It's been yeah. around, but it's maybe just beginning to take off. Or Do yeah. I see a rhinestone in your tooth right now? No, heck no. Uh, okay. I think we should do it for the show. But <laughs> we should. We should. But um, what I do think, though, is that, you know, just know your focus. Yeah, know your clients. Mm-hmm, know your what clients. What kind of clients you want. She might have people who want tooth gems, but for us... That's not like we couldn't go to right, some of these right. women and be like, would you like a tooth, tooth jam? As a finishing touch up here, let me glue something to your teeth. And I'm not making fun. It's just know no. your clients and sell products that are appropriate for them. So yes. that's a way to mm-hmm. upsell, not just something random. Because you're not serving them if you're just trying to find stuff to sell. Right. You know, you're just like, oh, I know, I could just sell you money. this too. Yeah, just to make yeah. money. Or like sometimes people will do the teeth whitening. You'll see that mm-hmm. at the shows. Yeah. It's an adjunct. Seems like a stretch for lashes to get your lashes done and then stay another half hour whitening. and have your teeth Well, whitened. it makes sense, though, because it would be one thing. You know, you lay down, you put the tray in your mouth, oh, you lay. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is like all that stuff would be drained. Yeah, into no, the I back don't. I think mouth. most people do it separate. Might be wrong. Maybe you can DM us again if you do both at the same time. Okay, it's interesting. But yeah, because it totally would just you'd be drinking oh, that stuff through God. the whole appointment, which would make the back of your throat probably raw. And I think the goal is always have it actually come out of your mouth. That's why they put the napkins oh, on, out there. God. It's quite the messy service. It's not elegant. Again, if you're trying to do a high end salon, that's not going to come off as classy. Yeah. For or the type of client you're trying to attract. It's going to feel very kind of, you know, it's necessary for people, but it's not high end. So for Integrity, we sell, our main retail is 
face products, mm-hmm. like in terms of like skincare. We do a skincare line. We carry a Beyonce, and then we carry Revita Lash. Yeah, um, for lashes. Yeah, for lashes. The mascara, the liner, they're all things that, for the most part, are revolve around the face area mm-hmm. and things that we deal with. So it makes sense. It's, yeah. You know, we can talk to a guest and be like, hey, I notice your skin's really dry right now. We have this great intensive nourishing cream or, you know. Right. And there's been stuff that you'll see people try to have you sell. And this may be a discussion. I'm going to say this because some people, it works. But we don't mm-hmm. see it as much as the sealers. Like you sell to people oh, sealers. Yeah. And it's Additional a product that, they, that helps you claim that your lashes are going to last longer if you put this on your eyelashes. Mm-hmm. That's been around for like 15 years. And there's new incarnations of that that recently we even tried a company's product. People are always trying to come up with a new thing that they can sell to clients. And you got test it. Just make sure it really does what it says it does. Mm-hmm. And we found more times than not, in fact, I think 100% of the time, none of these companies, the claims that they make actually work. The sealers that we tried, we didn't see any noticeable difference between our normal appointment with or without. It was just an extra product to sell. And again, you're breaking trust. When you sell stuff to people they don't actually need, you're going to take those little chips of trust and they're going to begin to build up on the scale, trust and no trust. And that moves over to the no trust side. If you do it too many times, the scale tips and that client decides to go somewhere else where they don't feel like they're being ripped off. You know, what places are notorious for doing this? Nail salons, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they go in there and they're always trying to sell you, give you extra things, do this, do that. You thought you were just going to go in for a $25 Callous service. remover. Yeah, and you walk out spending 100 five bucks. Five-minute extra leg massage. Not necessarily anything you really scrub. wanted. And so that's the same thing we could do to our clients in the last world is we're trying to find little ways to nickel and dime them because we're just trying to make some money for the day. And fortunately, you're scaring people away. If you are using a sealer and you're happy with it, I'm not trying to like rain on your parade, but I'm sure that if you do, you probably have a case for why it's better. And so just make sure that you have that. So we that should you, just talk about it sometime. Yeah, the, what, yeah. the case for sealers or no sealers. And we right. can use that as and a if you are using that talk. and you are able to demonstrate the value of that to your clients, way to go. You're doing it right. If you're just saying, you know, buy this and you're really not sure that it's a good product, but it was offered to you to, you know, you might want to think through that policy a little bit better. And yeah. when you start to carry retail products, try them on yourself and see mm-hmm. if it works before you tell the other people. Like with the serums, I know you were really hesitant when we brought those in. Mm-hmm. And we figured out, for the most part, for the one that we carry, you know, you wait a week, then you put it on a couple times a week mm-hmm. after your service mm-hmm. until you... about can... lash growth serum. Yes. Yes. Okay. That or way, yeah, hair growth serum. And it's not <laughs> for people who already have a lot of lashes. It's for our girls that we know that they have weaker lashes or they're stumpy and mm-hmm. they want really big lashes. They want us, you know, so we're just trying to help them get their natural lashes to where they should be so that when we put on a different lash, it can hold it. it <laughs> we're not advocating serum just to sell it. We're, That's right. We're, not everybody gets the serum. And the, one of the reasons why is because it works. Mm-hmm. It's going to grow the lashes. Mm-hmm. And what does growth do to our extensions? It translates as wear, mm-hmm. right? The longer they go, the more lashes that they lose, right? So the more we're speeding up that growth process, the quicker they're going to have to come in. Mm-hmm. So somebody who's buying a lash growth serum needs to know that. That's why you don't give it to everybody. But we do explain that to them, and we mm-hmm. tell them, because they're like, what's going to happen? And we're like, there's several things that could happen, but we won't know until you buy it and use it at least for a month consistently or two months because it works so well if they're really doing it. And then when they come back, we're like, well, we can assess it when you come back after mm-hmm. a few months and see what's happening. But we have to tell them you may need to come in a little bit sooner mm-hmm. because your lashes are going to look a little bit more. We're going to have more to work with, mm-hmm. but 
you might have to come back for a fill sooner. And we write it in the notes so that way we can adjust and say, hey, are you using your serum? Or they'll come back in. When I see something that's different on their face, I'm like, have you been using a serum? And they're like, yes. Or, yes. you know, one gal would be like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, I know you're using a serum. Actually, it was somebody <laughs> who used to work with us. I'm not using a serum. Uh-huh. And I was like, I know you're using a serum. And she yeah. just wouldn't fess up. And <laughs> How do we it's know? Dark because secret. you've got the red veins all around the eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. a dead giveaway. But just to make one clarification, we use Revita Brow as our growth serum. I think you can get Revita Lash, but you can't sell it here in California. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Just we'll, a little we'll explain that another time. Okay. But anyhow, that's great. I think, yeah, just to wrap that, make sure it's clear is when you are, yeah, using products, make sure you actually like them yourselves. Don't just carry something because it has a high markup. Don't just carry it because it can make you money. Carry it because it actually helps your people. It builds trust and will actually help your business grow in the long term. Well, I think we've covered a lot. Probably on the list here I have, we covered a little less than half the topics. So we will definitely have to come back and do another episode on this about cutting corners and things that you shouldn't do that can uh, hurt your business. And then we'll throw in, like we did today, a bunch of topics that mix in. (laughs) It actually had nothing to do with that, but that's the, it's the all fun. It's part of the fun. Yeah, it's part of the fun. We're going to give you all sort of bonus value right in the middle of this conversation because I think all of us have a good sense of ADD, so we'd love to jump <laughs> around and cover all sorts of things because we just love this industry so much. So let's uh, real quickly do a few plugs, and then we're going to get into the wrapping this up and moving on. First, the IECSC IBS show is coming and we told you that earlier. It's really exciting for us to be there. This is our first time we're going to be on the floor in a booth. And so we really want to encourage you to come by and see us. We're going to be right by Lashmakers. So if you know who Lashmakers is, you probably do. She's been around doing that thing for a while. We're right across the way from them. And if you find her, you'll find us. And we're hoping we're going to be doing a demo on the floor of our technique. So if you've heard us talk about our technique, it's going to be a great chance for you to see that. Plus, we're going to be teaching two classes. If you're not into lashes yet, but thinking about doing it, we're going to be having two one-on-one classes, we'll call it, where you can see if lashes are the right career for you. Christina, Tusty, and I will be in that class just kind of giving you an overview of the industry, the pros and cons. And then Erica is going to be leading a class that's going to be basically teaching our technique, just real basic classic lashes with us and how we do it. And it's going to be a hands-on type class as far as we know. And we're really working hard to get make it that way. So you'll see a demo, and then you're going to at least have some time in the room to work on a model, which will be using each other's models, and you get to really practice our technique and see how it works for you, see something that you may want to add to your tool belt of type of lashing to do. So by the way, if this is coming out two weeks before, so there's still time to sign up if that class isn't already sold out. Last time we did this class, it did sell out. So definitely come to that. It's like $200. You just sign up, come in. It's a three-hour course. I guarantee you, even if you've been doing lashes for a long time, you'll still learn a lot and will give you a whole different way to approach lashing. And secondly, I want to really promote, again, Shelby over at Lash Boss Radio. We're very excited about what she's been doing and continuing to interview people people in our industry and we really would love to see you go over and check her out and see what her latest thing is she's been really getting everyone so anyone who's anyone uh you're going to get to at some point get to hear their story and what they're doing in the industry and, and all that so definitely something to check out we'd love to continue this discussion online via social media please follow us on instagram at integrity lash where you can see what our salon is up to you can also follow our last podcast account 
at LashCast Podcast. This Instagram account is focused on sharing tips and insights on the lash industry and how we run our lash salon. This is where we'll post information from our podcast too. Lastly, we'd love to hear from you and we've set up a Twitter account to do that. Please follow us at Integrity Lash. You can submit your questions and suggestions for future podcasts there as well as DMing us on Instagram. Please subscribe, give us a review, and then share it with your friends. That's how we grow. If this program is helping you, inspiring you, then we want you to share it with others. Hit that subscribe button, give us a rating and a review, and share it. That will make our team very, very happy. On behalf of our engineer, Nick, our producer, Britton, my lash experts, Christina, Erica, and Tusney, and the whole Integrity Lash team, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen. Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.